basketball season won't be around forever. So get in on all of the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code TBPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineups. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all of the Daily Fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code TBPN during signup. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot of millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code TBPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Benjamin Bornstein. In this episode, Ben and I will discuss Keldon Johnson being named to Team USA for the Olympics, a John Collins free agency rumor, and an update on draft prospects. Let's go ahead and get started. Ben, how are you doing? I am fantastic, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, I got, you and I just said this the earliest we've ever recorded the Spurs Cast. We're recording this on a Saturday morning. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I got some coffee here ready to go. So, so let's go ahead and jump right into this episode, Ben. All right. So let's go through our latest news, Spurs Cast listeners. Um, the first news, is, as, as you all have heard, is Keldon Johnson has been officially named to Team USA. Um, you know, Keldon originally went um, on that journey as a member of the select team. He was only supposed to be there for a short time uh, with Team USA, but then he got promoted to the, to the national team just until the, the players from the NBA Finals return. However, this past week, we learned that Bradley Beal um, entered the health and safety protocols, and um, Kevin Love is, is uh, still not quite 100% yet with his calf injury. So those two players have actually dropped out of, out of the Olympic um, uh, uh, Games, and so they had to be replaced. And so Keldon Johnson and then um, also JaVale McGee were chosen to replace uh, both Bradley Beal and Kevin Love, so, so they've been named to the 12-man um, roster. Um, this is a really good opportunity for Keldon. Uh, and and uh, before I go into um, how he did this past week in those exhibition games, um, I want to talk about kind of an opportunity that's kind of right there for him that he kind of explained himself because he had a he had an interview with, with the media right after being selected on um, Friday evening. And he basically said that this is an excellent opportunity for him, for him to learn from a lot of the top players in the league. I mean, he, he, even, he even mentioned by name Kevin Durant. Draymond Green and Zach Levine as players that are already helping him and being supportive of him. And so, Ben, before we go into to kind of his game specifically, what do you think about that experience that Kelton can take away from this? The fact that he's, yeah, like I said, he's, I mean, Kevin Durant's a former MVP, one of the better players in this league. Yeah, that's going to be invaluable for him. Uh, not to mention he gets to, so not only does he get to learn from these guys, he gets to play some international ball, 
see how different the game is over there, both with, you know, the rules, style of play, even the court is different dimensions. But he also gets to spend more time with Coach Pop as well, which I think can only help him. And I think will, you know, kind of solidify him in the eyes of that staff, which would be great. And he's he's a guy who should be getting regular minutes this coming season. He he could be a big part of this team, depending on whether trades are made or not. And I know you and I are going to get into that later, so I won't say too much. But um, this is phenomenal for Keldon Johnson at 21 years of age. This is again, I cannot stress how invaluable this experience is at his age and to see really what it takes to get to that next level in the NBA. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, he, he was, he was just really humbled by, it. I mean, uh, in the interview, he said, basically he, he's, he's blessed and he's honored. And then he also mentioned how he, he comes from a military uh, family of background. So like, he's really just so support, uh, so ready to kind of wear the, the USA Jersey uh, and represent the country. And so um, let's just go kind of go through how Keldon's played this past week. And, and again, team USA has only played three exhibition games um, on Saturday and their loss to Nigeria. He got zero minutes at that time. He didn't play any, any minutes. Then on Monday, he got his first uh, minutes. He got 13 minutes against Australia. The team lost. Uh, but he did play well. He scored seven points off the bench, um, shooting three of five from the floor. On Tuesday, this uh, Team USA uh, defeated Argentina in a blowout, and, he, and Keldon's minutes increased to 14 minutes in that game with four points and five rebounds. Then we know that on Friday, um, their their exhibition game against Australia was canceled due to caution because of the, the situation with health and safety protocols. And so their final game, it's scheduled for Sunday versus Spain. Um, but again, uh, before they head over head over to the Olympics, but again, it hasn't happened yet. So we just want to kind of be a little cautious there and saying that it's going to for sure uh, happen. So yeah, so Keldon's now on Team USA uh, uh, going. So that that's something fun for Spurs fans as well to kind of watch is not, not only just to keep an eye on Coach Pop, um, you know, coaching the team in Team USA. Now they can actually root for Keldon Johnson, one of the players on the Spurs. Uh, so that's that's going to be fun, you know, just to, to see how how they do. All right, so now let's go to our, our next um, uh, uh, note uh, and, and news. And this is a trade rumor, not a trade rumor, a free agency rumor. Um, so so earlier this this past week, um, Sham Shrani of the Athletic um, reported that the Spurs, Dallas Mavericks, Miami Heat, and Minnesota Timberwolves are four of the teams expected to show interest in, in restricted free agent John Collins. Now, this is interesting because when when you see those uh, those team names and you actually look at some context, this actually gives the Spurs a pretty good chance of um, out of those teams of trying to pry away um, Collins from the Atlanta Hawks. So we do know that the Spurs can give the most money because they're going to have forty nine million in cap space out of these teams, and also the Hawks can give the most money because the Hawks can offer actually, uh, actually offer a fifth year if they did an extension, but you know we haven't seen that happen yet. I mean, I mean yeah, offered a contract, should I say. Now the Mavs, they're a little bit, uh, you know, uh, they have a little bit um, uh, room for error here because the reason why is because the most they can offer right now is $25.5 million, but that would risk them losing one of their key free agents in Tim Hardaway Jr. The Heat, Yes, they can offer twenty eight point one million, which is Collins' max, but they they lose like half their roster. So here's what would happen if the Heat offered twenty eight point one million to Collins: they would need to, to let uh, Victor Oladipo go in free agency. They need to let Duncan Robinson go, Kendrick Nunn go, and then they'd also have to either trade or waive Andre Iguodala and Goran Dragic. So again, those are five key players for them that they'd have to to lose just to get John Collins. And then the Timberwolves, I was honestly shocked why they were even in this rumor because they are way over the cap as a team. They would actually need to trade about three to five players um, just and without taking back salary, just to even get a little bit over 20 million. So they're not even close to Collins' number, even if they made all those trades. Yeah. So I was actually surprised to see Minnesota in there. That Um, that would take a lot of math juggling. I don't think the 
Timberwolves have it in them. Yeah, and that, that's without including you know their key guys like like uh, uh, D'Angelo Russell or um, or uh, what's his name Carl Anthony, Anthony Towns or, or Anthony yeah. Edwards. Exactly. Like if you just don't yeah. touch those three players, yeah, you'd have to get rid of like three to five players in Minnesota without taking back salary. Um, and so you know how, what is what is it going to take to sign Collins? According to Profit X, um, you know he is projected to get about nineteen point eight uh, to about twenty five point eight million. Now, again, if you want to give him the max, uh, and, and that's what Shams reported, is that a lot of teams think that he is going to get the max now that after his playoff performance where he played very well for Atlanta, well, then it's only about $2 million more. It's at $28.1 million because he's, he's a young player only. Um, you know, he's still within his first seven years in the league. So, Ben, I know that's a lot of information, but what do you think about that? The fact that the Spurs, you know, if they do give an off, a, a max offer sheet to Collins, they have a chance of, of really just seeing if Atlanta matches or not, and that's kind of – it could just come down to these two teams. So the the big – Kind of the big news that coincides with that is that uh, there was a great article in the Athletic where they talked about um, the you know the, they talked to the Hawks owner and he basically said, "Listen, we love John Collins, but we're we're not going to be if someone offers too much, we're not going to be able to afford to match it and keep him." So you, you know the Hawks have really left the door open for someone to come in and give a ridiculous offer and say, "We dare you to match it." Come at us, bro. And the, the Spurs are one of the few teams who have the cap space to do that. Whereas all of the other teams you just mentioned, they would, like you said, they would have to make several moves in order to be able to even offer that. And if you're offering, if, if the rumor is that you're going to offer it, you, those players kind of know, okay, I'm on the chopping block. I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that might mess with, other things going on with your team guys would say you know maybe andre Iguodala says screw it maybe i don't want to play another year i'm just going to retire mm-hmm. you know you don't have to waive me or whatever or or retirement might make it more complicated i'm not entirely sure how that works with the cap space but um he, he's at that age where he could easily say that um miami probably doesn't mind losing kendrick nunn they they probably like to keep oladipo if I'm them, I would like to keep Drogic just because he is mm-hmm. right off the bench and he's he's a guy who can lead your team. But the the Mavericks, I don't know for them for them it's probably worth losing Hardaway because mm-hmm. now you have you have a really nice front court in Chris Stapps, Porzingis, Luka Doncic, and John Collins, and yeah. you say we'll we'll go we'll go point guard by committee or we'll go, go, you know, we'll basically go backcourt by committee if we have to, mm-hmm. in order to pay those three guys. So, you know, the Mavs could get in there, but I, I think it's a bit of a stretch because Porzingis is already a guy who doesn't want to go in there and rebound and really be tough. And John Collins will do that. He'll kind of do a little bit. He'll do some of those nitty gritty, dirty things that mm-hmm. other, other big you know, big time players don't really want to do. And that's has been his calling card in the playoffs. That's what made him so great is, you know, there were nights he's not hitting shots. He's, he's, he was rebounding the ball incredibly well though. Yeah. He's playing solid D. But the thing that scares me is people want to pay John Collins a max, but he's a great player because of the context in which he plays mm-hmm. and on the team he plays for. Yeah. He's if whatever team he goes to, he's not playing with another Trey young. No. He's not playing with a guy who, who is a black hole in the sense that, you know, everybody has to gravitate to him. Yeah. And that's going to make John Collins' life much more difficult. And he's really going to feel like he's earning that paycheck more. 
You know, not to say that he's not earning his paycheck now. That would be insane to say. Yeah. But, you know, to to go out and get paid at twenty eight mil or whatever the number is, he's going to have to create more of his own shots. He's going to have to create more shots for his teammates. He's going to have to continue to rebound. He's going to be playing. He's going to play defense on the best big the other team has to offer. You know, it's his role is going to change regardless of what team he ends up going to, unless of course he stays with the Hawks, in which case the Hawks come out. That's basically a huge coup for the Hawks. They get mm-hmm. to keep them. They keep their core. They grow old together or they grow into kind of the prime of their careers together. And they can go on some runs. Yeah. So you made some really good points there. I think one of the, one of the key ones was how you mentioned about the offer sheet, the offer sheet has to, I mean, your team has to literally have that amount of money that you're going to send already. You can't just say, Oh, you know, we'll think about sending that money. You're right, Ben. Like we're like teams that actually have to make moves. Like if Miami wanted to open up that 20 million in, in cap space, just to send an offer sheet, then yeah, they'd actually have to make those moves now and get rid of the, you know, or, or at that time and get rid of those players. You can't send the offer sheet until you actually have the cap space, you know, legitimately on legitimately on your books. You can't just, you know, make it a hypothetical. Um, so yeah, that, that's very interesting for, for one part. Um, and then two is like an, another, uh, you know, two other teams that, that could get into to, to the run of, of trying to get Collins would be the Knicks or the Thunder. But, the re, you know, they're not named there because, you know, they're going to have a lot of cap space as well. But the, the reason why is because, like, you know, OKC is more of an, a rebuilding mode. Um, they don't know exactly what direction they want to go in. And then also the Knicks already have Julius Randle. So that's why we're not seeing their name. So again, that's why this, this race could come down between the uh, Spurs and Hawks. And um and yeah that was very interesting what you said there about what the owner said from, from Atlanta just because you know again like like you mentioned um you know there's gonna, there might be a, a number a cutoff number for Atlanta where they won't take an offer sheet so that's why I think that it might take 27 million or maybe even the max of 28 million to see if Atlanta does uh, match and and for this and for for what you mentioned about Collins is if the Spurs were to do this and, and then Atlanta declines to, to match and then you know Collins comes to San Antonio well then there's a big chance in that scenario that Demar Derozan's gone and that's the number one playmaker for the Spurs is gone and so that that puts a lot of uh, um, responsibility on Collins to really improve without Trey Young. And you're right. And then also um, the, the guards the Spurs do have in DeJounte Murray and, and Derek White to try to, you know, try, try to fit in Collins as best as possible and, and, uh, and you know, help, help him acclimate to, to, the, to the new team. So, yeah, that, that's a lot of uh, what ifs going on here. And and again, I just think it's interesting that, you know, financially it, it can come down. It, it might look like it might come down to the Spurs and the Hawks this early on, unless, you know, we see other teams get in or teams start making trades to I open mean, up some, the, some cast base. Go ahead. To, to me, the the Thunder can get in. The Thunder really want to get in if they can get uh, like five more current fifth graders and uh, get stupid amounts of picks down the road. I, it's unbelievable. They they literally have the rights to like three or four current fifth graders or sixth oh graders God. or whatever it is. Like that's that's how far down the road their draft picks are. It is absolutely insane to me. They are stockpiling and they still haven't you know, use them to trade for anything. Really? That's, that's yeah. the craziest part to me. You, you have this up. Op- I mean, if you're the, if you're the thunder, you could go up and get the number one picks, just using your future picks that you have. You have so many that don't belong to you or that not, are not, they belong to them. I should say are not originally your picks. Yeah. And I, you know, um, I forgot the number specifically, but if they wanted to, they could be like a, a max cap space team and just take in contracts again this year and get more picks. Like they're ready to do that. If they, if they need to go that route, uh, this coming off season, it's crazy. Yeah. Situation. They could be huge buyers this mm-hmm. off season and at the trade deadline, if it comes to that. 
So yeah, so no, no, it's it's interesting the situation that that, that OKC's season and yeah, so like I said, you know, I think the Spurs and and it could not come down to the Spurs and the Hawks here um, in in restricted free agency and and again for the Spurs, uh, yes, you probably risk losing Demar Derozan in that case, but uh, again, you're you're gonna be you're gonna be okay sending out that offer sheet to Collins and then just waiting because you still have a lot of cap space where you can start to go after other free agents in the meantime, even while you wait those two days for to see if the Hawks match or not. So so yeah, it's, it's really interesting to watch. Um, let's move on to our last topic here for the episode. And, and you know, now that Ben's back on this episode, we want to go through, um, you know, the draft is just days away now um, within with less than two weeks. I think um, it's on the 29th of July. Uh, Hallelujah. And, and, and yeah. And, and he and I had been recording this. I believe it's a, yeah, July 17th. So it's 12 days away from now. And so I just want to go through our, our, our um, project Spurs draft board and kind of just go through, through some, some players that are right there in the, in the, um, in the 12th range on different mocks or on our average of the, of the picks or, and also the second round and see, so, you know, see who's there. And so just, you know, these are some, if Spurs cast listeners, if you listen, in the episodes um you know ben's talked about some of these players but then there's also some new names here that we're going to get into uh and then we're going to talk about some other different things here so let's go to the first round picks now one of the one of the interesting players one of the mocks had um just just yeah uh, yesterday when i checked on on on, uh, on friday was a, a a guard um davian mitchell um six two out of baylor um, you know, some of his standout stats, uh, you know, compared to other players um, that, that, we, that we look at for the Project Spurs draft board, comp- you know, compared to the other players, uh, he, he really stands out in his volume of three-point attempts. His three-point accuracy is really good. He's also a low, low turnover player compared to those prospects. Now, Ben, I was going to ask you this. Do you think that we might start seeing guards like Mitchell and, and maybe other guards because of that, that report two weeks ago about Derek White and DeJounte Murray being gettable, um, according, um, in, according to that report, that the Spurs might look at moving one of those two players or both of them? In that case, you know, that they could be looking at a guard. What are your, what are your thoughts on David Mitchell here being mentioned? Uh, I mean, being mocked to the Spurs. I mean, absolutely a possibility. If if those two guys are gettable and they potentially can get traded, the sure the Spurs would surely want to cover themselves and make sure that they have guards they're getting in this draft, at least one guard they're getting in this draft who they say, you know, who they like and they can say, you know, this guy is going to get immediate minutes. Um, but you have to, if you go out and get someone, you have to make sure they're better than Trey Jones. Cause Trey Jones showed, showed you a little bit of what he can do this season. And he, he's the guy who can potentially earn some rotation minutes mm-hmm. there. So you have to be very confident in this pick. If you're getting a, a guard, especially because you know, if you're the Spurs, you know that you desperately need front court help. Mm-hmm. You need forwards. You need big men. You, you need those. So if you are going to pass on one at 12, and especially if there are guys available like Franz Wagner, a Josh Giddy maybe, if, if there are guys like that who are available and you pass on them, you're going you're gonna to catch a lot of flack from Spurs fans because they want a forward or a center, even if you're taking a home run swing on a guy. They, they want to see something. And if you, I think if you're the Spurs, this is the year you take a risk on a guy with major upside and you, you bank on your development team being able to turn them into a legitimate player. Mm-hmm. Um, so just Mitchell, this is his first time being named here on the Spurs cast. Um, what, 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 what do you think about him? If, if they, if they, you know, or, or not, not what do they, what do you think about him? But what, what do you think? What, what does he bring? Like, what is just some background on him? He's so, just won a championship with Baylor this season. Okay. Fantastic point guard. Uh, like you mentioned, t- solid on turnovers, has gotten better with the assists each year. You know, he's he's a, at a slightly better than two-to-one assist turnover ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, great hands, almost two steals a game. Uh, 
uh, like you said, shoots the ball well. It's a bit ironic because he is not good at the free throw line, oh, but wow. he shoots it well from everywhere else on the court. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just something that doesn't make sense, but that's what this year has been. So why start now? Um, but yeah, Damian Mitchell, I like him. He's been a guy who's been kind of slowly moving up draft boards. He's mm-hmm. become a very popular top 10 pick in the, in the recent ones that I've seen. So they're clearly people are seeing something now in his tape that they weren't seeing earlier. And I think some of it might be realizing, Oh, maybe some of the guards in this class aren't as good as we thought, or, you know, maybe Davion Mitchell in particular is better than we thought, but again, a solid point guard. He's, he's not going to make too many mistakes. He's uh, he can be a lead guard for you and he can run your offense and he'll shoot the ball fairly well. He's a little small at 6'2", same height as Trey Jones. So, again, if you're getting him, you have to be confident that he's your guy. Okay, and again, yeah, that would have probably only happened if one of those two players got traded, uh, Derek White or DeJounte Murray. So, again, we don't yes. think that would happen unless if, one of those. If, right. If the Spurs keep their guards, they're not taking a guy in the draft. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, I think if they do take someone like that in the draft, they're signaling trade incoming, be yeah. on alert. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Yes, if they do take a guard, you know, like David Mitchell and you know at twelve and they still haven't made a trade, well then that that's a clear sign though that they are gonna make a trade. Most and, the, uh, and, and not just once free agency starts or whatever, I would also say if they take a guard at twelve, there's potential that they're picking for someone else in this draft and and getting something in return. Oh, okay, okay. That's yeah, that's an, that's another um option an alternative to watch as well. So yeah, I should have mentioned the assists because yeah, he does rank higher uh, compared to the prospects and, and on these and the steals as well. Um and yeah, and so in the three point shooting too. I mean, at the NBA level, it should should shoot um between thirty nine point seven percent and forty three point seven. So that was something I I did recently where I, I kind of looked at last year's first round picks and saw the difference from from their college or international um team the year before they got to the NBA, and it was only about a one to five percent difference in in three point accuracy. So that was kind of that was the average. Interesting. What I found, yeah, that was something. That, that, and so I've, I've added that to our Project Spurs draft board. All right, let's go to our next player here. And this is um, Josh Giddy. Um, he's 6'8 out of a- Adelaide, Australia. Um, one of the, the two of the areas that he really hangs, uh, ranks high compared to the other prospects are in the assists and also in rebounds. Um, you know, uh, and, um, and he's actually one of those players who got, kind of perfectly averages out right at 12 for the Spurs. Um, so what do you think about uh, uh, Josh Giddy? Giddy is a guy who has made several Spurs fans giddy themselves. Yeah. I've seen his name before. Yes. In my mention. Um, he, so he is kind of a point forward. He's six, eight. Uh, his thing is he, he's a good rebounder. He, he moves the ball. Well, he finds his guys. He is not a great shooter right now. Okay. Uh, I think his mechanics are fairly slow. I think that's his biggest issue. And, uh, uh but I do think they're fixable and, mm-hmm. You know, of course, any Spurs fan will tell you, well, I believe in Chip. Yeah. Great. There's no reason you should. So, you know, I think if he gets in the gym with Chip, that can get fixed. It can at least be passable in his rookie year. But I, I think he might, he's, he's not terribly mobile on defense. I think he might struggle with some of the bigger guys, with some, uh, some of the bigger threes and the, and the small ball fours or the small ball fives, even. So, I think that's something to keep an eye on. And with him, I mean, we, we should get, we would have had an opportunity to watch him again. If, or that's not true. We, if any, if you did watch the USA play Australia, you had an opportunity Mm -hmm. to see him. 
I unfortunately did not, was not able to watch that game, but I'm going to have to go back and find some of that tape. But, mm. um, you know, during the Olympics, if you get a chance to watch Australia, one, Patty Mills, obviously. FIBA Patty is phenomenal to watch. Yes. But also the opportunity to watch Josh Giddy, see how he plays and, you know, see how he might fit with the Spurs. So, you know, if, if you're watching the Olympics, you now have several reasons, you know, Keldon Johnson, Patty Mills, and some potential prospects in there from around the world. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because I mean, I, I watched that game, but now I now to come to think of it, I don't remember seeing him. I'm just going to check in the box score real quick just to to see because I wonder because it was also a close game throughout. So I don't I don't know that yeah. maybe Australia wasn't ready to to quite put him in. Let me just check real quick here. Yeah, I mean, I, I they probably went. With yeah, he didn't play that. Okay, so that's right. So he got a DNP on that one. So he got zero. Yeah, unfortunately. I, I so, but no, that's interesting though because now that Ben just mentioned that, I, uh, I I honestly didn't even remember that he was on the national team. But yeah, that's actually interesting. Some something to watch is before the draft even comes. I think that I think the Olympics start just a few days before the draft. So yeah, so yeah. I'm gonna keep an eye on Australia's games. You're right, Ben, and now keep an eye on Josh Giddy just in case you know that's the player that's yeah. first. Yeah. And if they do take him, well, then, hey, that's even more, you know, that's even, yeah, you're right, like a bigger uh, reason to watch uh, the Olympics and not just watch Team USA, but watch Australia as well, because that could be, a, you know, future Spurs player. So, yeah, that's oh, yeah. interesting. Also, something of note real quick is mm-hmm. I think this is the first time that we will ever witness the NBA draft going on during the Olympics mm-hmm. or like near the same time, because the draft would have been done in June normally. Yeah. So we 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 would have been able to find out, and we probably would have seen guys at summer league. And if they weren't playing at summer league, they might have been playing for their national team. So now it's it's kind of fun. You're like, there's a it feels like there's a little more at stake. There's a little more. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's more to watch. So I'm I'm super excited about that, and you know, I'm just excited about the drafts in general because you know that's my jam. Yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, that's definitely something something fun to keep an eye on uh, here with with the Olympics coinciding with the draft. Um, let's go ahead and uh, go to our next player. And this is a player that we've mentioned here on the Spurs cast before. Um, James Booknight, 6'5", out of UConn. Um, he, I don't, I'm not going to mention his data just because he, he had a very small sample size with just 15 games played this past year um, yes. at UConn. Um, you know, one of the things that, that did stand out in those times that he did play was, um, and I just said I wasn't going to mention the data. <laughs> his, his, I know, um, his three-point attempts did stand out in those few games, um, five a game, and then um, also his scoring 18.7 points. So, Ben, I know, I know you've talked about him before, but what, what can you tell the listeners, you know, new listeners for today's episode about so, James Booknight. So Booknight only played 15 games. He had uh, wrist surgery. Mm. So that might, so that would probably explain why some of his percentages were lower than what you might yeah. expect mm-hmm. from him. But he is, uh, I, I've been, the more mock drafts I've looked at, the more I've seen him in the top 10. And I've actually seen him go to the Magic at eight a few times. And the reason for that is he is an excellent self-shot creator. He can go out and he can get his own buckets. Uh, you know, to a, a bit reminiscent of another former UConn guard in Kemba Walker, but James Booknight is bigger. He's five mm-hmm. inches taller, so he's he's able to shoot over more defenders, and he's a quick guy. He can get to his spots. His handles aren't uh, ter- aren't super advanced, but they do the job to get him to his spots. And I think uh, in workouts, he will probably show that he's a better three point shooter than his uh, percentages suggest. I think he shot a shade under 30% this year. Again, probably has to do with the wrist surgery, both coming back from it and getting his confidence back. But I think the, you know, more reps you put in the, the, the more he'll be fine. So I'm not too worried about it. 
and I, I don't know if he will last to 12. And if he does, that would be, that would be one of those guys you could be pretty sure about if you're going to pick a guard. Okay. So yeah, yeah, you're right. And so he perfectly averages out to 12, but you're right. He could go as high as, I mean, as early as seventh or eighth in some, some mocks that I'm seeing here. So, so um, yeah, so, so James Booknight is definitely a player to keep an eye on. And, and, like, and like we said, you know, don't, don't look at too much in the percentages. Like Ben said, it's a very small sample size. Although, you know, coming back from wrist surgery, you, you, you'd like to see that he was one of the top players in this class of at least, um, you know, attempting threes. He wasn't shy about, about taking them five a game uh, in the right. games that he played. Um, our next go to our next player, and this is a player that also averages out perfectly at 12th on, on the Spurs draft board uh, for Project Spurs. This is uh, Moses Moody, who we've mentioned before as well on the Spurs cast. Um, he's 6'6 out of Arkansas. Some of the areas where he really um, you know, shines compared to some of these other prospects are, are in scoring with points, um, three-point attempts, uh, high, high three-point attempt taker, and then also he's a low um, turnover player. Um, what do you want to say about uh, Moses Moody, Ben? A very good shooter. Uh, there were times when he was Arkansas's offense. Uh, so his... His overall field goal percentage is a little low, but he is a guy who's shooting just a shade under 36% from three, which is very good. And like you said, doesn't turn it over very often, but he also is not really an assist guy. He's kind of a classic three and D wing at six, okay. six um, solid free throw shooter. So that'll translate to the next level. Not terribly worried about that. Um, decent, uh, again, a good defender. He can probably defend two, maybe three positions, but again, uh, I don't, he's, so I like him, but he's not a guy I would feel comfortable with at 12. Okay. Even as a wing, because at that point I'm, I'm looking at, you know, this, this, if you're going to get, if you're the Spurs, you need to find a shooter who's preferably taller or, or you just need to straight up get a forward or big. Uh, and that's been my philosophy from the outset of the season, especially so after LaMarcus Aldridge was left. Um, so Spurs need size folks badly. Yeah. So uh, again, I like Moses Moody, but he, for me, he ain't it at that okay. spot at 12. Okay. Yeah. And only one, t- uh, only, only one or two mocks. I see even has him before 12. The rest of them have him after 12. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah he, he actually averages perfectly um, at 12 for our, for our um, Project Spurs draft board. All right, this next player um, is actually a player with size here. Uh, we got Jalen Johnson, who we mentioned as well in the Spurs cast, um, 6'9 out of Duke. And again, he's he just like uh, uh, James Booknight, we want to say that this is a, a player who has a small sample size. He only played in 13 games with Duke. And, um, you know, and again, don't read too much into the data, but one of the things that he did do well in his small sample size is he actually shot very well from three. He shot 44%, which, he, which means he's going to shoot yes. about... 39 to 41, uh, 43 in, in the NBA. A, a, again, it's small sample size and his blocks yeah. also compared to these other draft picks. Um, so what do you want to say about Jalen Johnson? Jalen, I think Jalen Johnson, though, he, I want to say he only took 20 something three point attempts. Yeah. He's, he's so, very, he's low in the attempts, only 1.4 yeah. per game. So that's low. So, to I, so yes, take that with a very large grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a guy who can play a little bit of point forward. He is fantastic in transition. He struggles in the half court on offense, so something to consider. If his shooting does translate, then you've you're already coming out ahead. You're playing with house money, and he's a guy who can probably guard three positions for you, the three, four, maybe five in a small ball lineup. And it's super athletic. You with him, it's going to come to the off court stuff. Yeah, him. He so he had a weird track record before getting to Duke, and then leaving Duke in the middle of the season 
certainly doesn't rub people the right way. So he had he had some issues in high school where he was he was at two or three different high schools in the span of two years. Oh, okay. So he you know he couldn't really decide what he was doing. People weren't really sure why he was transferring so much. And then, of course, the Duke stuff happened. So you have to, you know, you have to, you have to talk to people. You have to make sure that the red flags aren't serious. That you yeah. you have they're accounted for, and you feel comfortable. If you don't feel comfortable after talking to his people or and and Duke and high school his high school coaches or whatever it is, then you know you you can't pull that trigger. But if you know, you've done your due diligence. You've talked to everybody. You're like, okay, this all checks out. This looks fine. We're good here. Then yes, I would say pull that trigger. That's, this is the kid who's a, he's a home run swing kind of pick. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so you see that too, um, where like the, the, the earliest he could go is ninth, according to some mocks, but the rest, the rest of them have him after 12th. And, and he's one of those players where when you read the profile, um, and, and you know, for the Spurs taking him, it's about the culture. They, they, they talk about how the Spurs, you know, they're the team that can, you know, has the best culture that could probably fit, uh, work with him and his off court issues. So I think that's the, you're, you're right. No, that, that's a, that's a big thing to watch there is, is can, can the, have the Spurs on their Intel and made sure that, you know, they're they're if, if they do take him, if they're ready, uh, to see if, if he's going to fit in, uh, uh, with their team, um, if, most likely off the court go ahead and if the spurs can make steven jackson work they can make just about anybody work that's my opinion yeah so 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 that, that that's jalen johnson again that's that that, that big that we we're talking about uh uh out of, out of duke uh then we have um alperin sengun um six nine out of besiktas uh, in turkey uh and some of the areas that stand out for him are, are points um scoring um rebounds blocks and then he accounted for 22 percent of, of the wins in the games that he played for and that that, that actually 22 percent doesn't sound like a lot but compared to the other prospects here that actually sticks out pretty uh pr- pr- pretty well uh so did you have any more background on, on sengun so what I've seen with Sangoon is he's playing extremely well in basically the second best non NBA league. Okay. Uh, Spain, Spain is probably the best league with the one he plays in being the next best. You know, he was, he's, he's dominated the game in there. Um, you, you really want to know if the shooting is going to translate because he's not really much of a shooter right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's 6'9". Yeah. yeah, he's 6'9", which is a little small for a center, but he plays center with his back to the basket. Okay. But he plays in the post really well. He's a good passer out of the post. He does a lot of things nice on offense, but uh, he's probably a liability on defense. And it's kind of nuts because I have seen – I think I was reading John Hollinger and his – his takes on the draft prospects and he he just he didn't do a mock draft he just did a big board mm-hmm. and he had said goon as a top five guy on his board oh wow so yeah and, and i heard him on a podcast i don't know if it was uh the the, the yeah it was when something on the one of the podcasts on the ringer and i heard yeah, i heard his name as well where a lot of people were high on him um uh as well as as uh, yes yeah, so, so you know that's just something to watch and you're right you know j- just you saying that, that that that's actually like the second most competitive league internationally when that's interesting because like i said he in terms of win shares he he he, uh, he averaged 8.2 um he played more games than these college players 37 games as a, as a pro athlete already right um but yeah i mean like 22 percent of the team wins in in the in the in the games that he played that's really you know that shows that he has an impact on winning at even a professional level already absolutely uh, you know it's not the nba level but you're right it's one of the more competitive um level so that's interesting to watch you know um if, if the Spurs were to take him at 12th and he's all over the place too, where, where, you know, you could see him uh, going as, as, as early as eighth on some teams. And then, you know, 12th is kind of average where I see him for, I mean, I mean for some of the mocks. 
All right. So now, Ben, let's go to the, again. The second round's harder to, to predict just because, you know, players are all over the place in, in this round. Um, so, oh, yeah. But let's just go to some players who there's no actual perfect 41st pick for the Spurs. You know, nobody's averaging out on our on our draft board for 41. But we do have some some mocks that, that we've seen where, where different players are. And so some of these players we have mentioned before. Um, and then and then some of these players, uh, you know, are, are new that we're going to mention here on the Spurs cast. So let's begin first. International player um, Rokas um, Joku Betis, um, 6'4 out of Zalgiris, Lithuania. Uh, uh, again, a 6'4", it looks like a guard here. Um, some of the areas where he does stand out compared to the other prospects um, are in assist and low turnovers. Do you have anything on him? I have not gotten a chance to watch Joe Kubitis, um, okay. but just just him being 6'4", it's going to be a pass for me, man. Yeah, so, I mean, man, the games that he's played, though, he's played 74 games this past season, but yeah you're, yeah, you're right. He doesn't really have much. I mean, a lot of his numbers compared to the other players here don't don't really stick out uh, too well. Let's go to our next player, and this is a player you've mentioned before. Um, uh, you know, This is a player who I don't think you wanted the Spurs to take it because uh, of the season he had, and this is Brandon Bo- uh, Brandon B.J. Boston Jr., 6'7 out of Kentucky. You mentioned him last time we, we talked about how he really had a disappointing season. I mean, really, like, when you look at our, our go- Spurs cast, you can go to our, our, our draft board here, and when you look at B.J. Boston's numbers. I mean, he's like in red across the board compared to the other prospects we have. And, and the only area where he actually like stands out well is, is in the, in his low turnovers, but a lot of stuff he really struggled. You can tell, like Ben mentioned uh, just recently that, yeah, he really struggled this past season. So Ben, what do you want to say about BJ Boston? So Kentucky had easily its worst year, I think ever as okay. a basketball program. And a lot of that was Calipari didn't get his guys the summer before. They couldn't get in the gym and work on basic stuff they needed to. Uh, part of it was, I think Calipari put together a very disparate uh, collection of individuals who don't necessarily work together very well. Like they don't like a lot of his teams. You know, they're all a lot of them are mostly freshmen, but they all have skills that feed off each other. Whereas these guys, it never felt like they kind of got things going together. And, you know, BJ Boston, I think was a top 15 recruit coming out of high school. And he was, he was known as a shooter, uh, a wing, a scorer, And he did not have the opportunity to do any of that at, Mm -hmm. he didn't, not that he didn't have the opportunity. He just, he was not good at Kentucky, but a lot of the guys who played for Kentucky were not good last season. So, you, you know, you go back and you look at his high school tape and you're wondering, where is this kid? This this is this is what I was looking to see. This is the stuff that was going to make him a lottery pick. This yeah. is the stuff that was potentially going to make him a top five, top ten pick. Yeah. And now, you know, a lot of people are talking about, oh, man, is he going to get picked in the second round? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. if if you go back and you look at his high school tape and you you say to yourself, you see him in workouts and you say, okay, that's the BJ Boston that we're going to get, not – Kentucky BJ Boston if you are convinced of that then I think getting him in the second round at 41 is incredible it's it, it would be a huge steal this is because this is a kid who was supposed to be a top 10 talent and you're getting him in the second round now because he had one bad year and he knows that if he had stayed at Kentucky a second year it probably wasn't going to get it much better so he said screw it I'm going to get out of here I'm going to try and go pro and see what I can make happen 
Okay, yeah, and that, again, that's interesting because, um, yeah, you're right. Like, they think the earliest he could get taken is 33, and then the latest is like 47 and some mocks. Um, he does average out to right before the Spurs though at 30 at 39, and and so yeah, you know, that's that's a lot of you know. Do you want to put so much emphasis on those 25 games that he played this past year, and like you said, like a down year for Kentucky? Because um, yeah, I remember in the beginning of the year you were actually very high on him, and you know he he did like project to be a lottery pick coming into the season, and then you know of course the season didn't work out for him. All right, let's move on to our next uh, player for the second round. And this is um, Aaron Wiggins. This is his first time being mentioned on the Spurs cast. Uh, he's a 6'6 player out of Maryland. Uh, two of the areas that really stand out compared to the other prospects are in his three-point attempts. So he's a, he's a high-volume shooter from three. And then um, his, he is a low-turnover player. What, what can you say about Wiggins? Wiggins. So I watched a lot of Maryland basketball. They're one of my teams I always enjoy watching. Okay. Well, I shouldn't say enjoy. Sometimes they drive me absolutely nuts. But... <laughs> Uh, he was fantastic for Maryland this year as a six six guard. Basically, he's averaging almost six rebounds a game, two and a half assists, a steal, half a block, only two turnovers. So he's at almost a three to one assist turnover ratio, which is fantastic for him. And he shot the ball well, about 44, 45% overall, and 35, 36% from three. So a guy who I very much like. I think he would be nice in the second round. Again, still a little small at six six, but you know, in the second round, you're kind of just working with what you've got, and you gotta you'll you'll see if it pans out. A lot of these guys, they'll get there two or three years, and if it doesn't pan out, then you know, so be it. They go on and they find another place. But I, you know, if you're the Spurs, I feel like you kind of have to hit on both picks this year, especially with the way your roster looks right now and the way it could look after free agency. Yeah, no, for sure. Especially, yeah, because like like we said, like if they take one of these players, like let's say they get John Collins, and then uh, you know they lose like Demar Rosen, they're gonna have they're gonna they're gonna have you know a lot of and they lose you know Patty Mills and Rudy Gay, who are also free agents and key parts of their team. These are three players that are key parts of their team. Well, then yeah, they're not gonna have a lot of players they can rely on. So yeah, I think you're right that they need to really hit um, on these two um, prospects. And so, um, so yes, yeah, so Aaron Wiggins, you know, this is his first time you mentioned here and, and not even a lot of mocks have him there, even, even to get drafted. I mean, uh, I, I do see 41 for the Spurs and then 46 and that's about it. I don't see others. Some, some of them don't even have him on their board. So, so yeah, he, he's, yeah. A, he's an interesting player to watch. You, uh, you get to the 45 and after range, you're going <laughs> to, you're going to see a lot of different names. Yeah. Not going to be a lot of consistency. I mean, I've got like almost like 10 players now where, where they're not, none of them, uh, they've, they've been reported to work out with the Spurs or interview with the Spurs and they're not even on, on any draft boards. So I think wonderful. Like so many two ways. Can't yeah, wait. So two ways are like summer league invites are probably what those players are. All right, Ben, let's go to our last player here in the second round. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you one thing, you know, this is why, this is why it's better to have you on. Uh, Cause you know, you can give me the context to watch these players. Whereas me, I just look at them looking at the stats right now, but the st- from a stat perspective, this dude like hits a lot of, of highlights here. So this is Matthew Hurt, 6'9", at a Duke. Um, you know, he's really good against standing out to, compared to other players and stats. Um, he stands out in points and scoring, three-point attempts. He's a high-volume shooter. Three-point percentage, he was very accurate this past season. He's a low-turnover um, player as well. And he accounted for 18% of the team wins for Duke in the 24 games that he did play. So, so again, stat-wise, this guy looks like, wow, he checks off a lot of marks for you, like a lot of, a lot of good things. But what is it, you know, when you, when you provide the context, Ben, since you've watched him, what is it that, that he's not going to bring to you? Or, or like, why is he in a second round when you just look at those numbers? Go ahead. So the other thing is he, he might have provided a high percentage of their wins, but they also didn't win a whole lot of games this year. Oh, okay. See, there's some context right there. So, so Duke, yeah, Duke was not good this past season neither was unc like the your typical powers mm-hmm. were not what they were supposed to be okay so that might be some of it i think after jalen johnson left he had to take on a much larger scoring role which was fine he could he could do it 
And like you said, he's a good three point shooter. He got, mm-hmm. he, he improved his quickness a bit from freshman to sophomore year, which is great to see. He's still going to be a bit of a liability on defense. He's not going to be able to stay in front of quicker threes or fours. Okay. But he has gotten stronger. So he'll be able to pound a little bit in the paint with them, which is, which is good to see. But, um, he he was hitting tough shots all year too. He was, which which makes his percentages even crazier because he he had to take so many bad shots because that Duke offense was so terrible. So uh, him being second round is probably is is probably a lot to do with the fact that he's slow. He's going to be a liability on defense. Okay, and his shooting isn't so good that it's going to make up for that multitude of sins. He's, he's very much a catch and shoot guy. He's not going to create his own shot very often. And he's not really coming off screens a whole lot, but he can, um, but he, he actually works really well in the post. He's, he's, he's got some fadeaways. He, you know, he'll back a guy down and give him a, you know, a little bit of the Dirk step, the, the Dirk shot there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he's gotten tougher, which is good. So he, he's a solid second round pick. Okay, so he's a solid. I, okay. I would not okay. be mad about that pick. Okay, okay, okay. That's what I was gonna tell you because, like, one of the players who, who I've looked at in terms of, of scouting, you know, free agents for the Spurs is Kelly Olynyk, and you know, kind of a lot of this stuff kind of speaks to me as, as Kelly Olynyk. Just reading some of these numbers and stuff, uh, and so you know, you have a choice of you know, would you want to pay Kelly Olynyk as a free agent, or could you just draft a player you know with a similar skill set like this player, you know, second round pick? Yeah. Um, well, Kelly Olynyk is a little bigger. Okay. So he, you know, yeah, he's six eleven. Yeah, yeah, he's two inches taller and and weighs more. So he's gonna he's gonna yeah. be able to pound in there a little better with the true fives and the big the true big man. Um, but I think having a guy like Matthew Hurt who can, you know, who will probably pull out a bigger defender mm-hmm. from the paint will be good because the, the Spurs just didn't have that. They didn't have spacing. They didn't have. Yeah. They they were you know you're trying to get to the to the rim and there's three people in the paint waiting for you yes mm-hmm. because they don't have to worry about shooters yeah and, and I think that that he becomes more interesting too because of you know like I said Rudy Gay is a free agent if they lose Rudy Gay who plays the four normally uh, for the team uh, you know and he's a high volume three point shooter for this team again they might exactly. need some spacing uh, as a big and so yeah I think that you know hurt wouldn't be an, a bad option just looking again first. Po- what I said about the numbers, but then also what you provided with the context here, uh, that he's an interesting player to keep an eye on uh, with the 41st pick. All right. So, um, you know, that, that kind of wraps up, you know, exactly where, um, you know, currently where, where, where picks are, you know, we'll have been on again, of course, for sure, before the, the draft gets here on the 29th. So, so, so again, we'll, we'll see if different mocks update their, their boards and, and see what other uh, players are, are there for the Spurs or if it's even the same players and maybe just seeing some, uh, some, some different perspectives uh, on those players. So don't forget it. Don't forget to visit projectspurs.com. Uh, ben recently wrote this past week about another uh, uh, pl- player to keep an eye on who we've, we've discussed before on the Spurs cast, uh, Josh Primo. Uh, ben, do you want to tell Spurs cast listeners a little bit about him? Sure. Uh, Alabama guard, very young, uh, a little bit raw, but he's staying in the draft. He, he believes in himself. He's a solid shooter. Uh, and he, I think he's six, four, six, five, if I remember correctly, yeah, six, four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Six, four. So again, a guy who's a little smaller, but probably six, six, sorry. <laughs> oh, he's six, six, even yeah, better. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think he's still a guy who's, he's been catching a lot of, not heat. He's been. I should say he's been heating up on mock draft boards, mm-hmm. and uh, I think a lot of guys are putting. They're giving the NBA draft combine a, a lot of extra emphasis that maybe they shouldn't. So I think Josh Primo had an excellent combine, and yeah. that's not to take anything away from him. But I also think that a lot of people are putting 
too much emphasis on what they saw at the combine, especially because not every one of the top guys played at the combine. You know how how would he have played against uh, Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley? You know whatever it is, you know you, the the combine is really for those those guys who are second rounders who are maybe mid lottery or late lottery trying to show people, Hey, I've, I've patched this hole in my game, or you can see that I'm making progress on doing that. So, you know, draft me higher than you would have, whatever. Okay. So yes, yeah, so again, that, that's uh, Josh Primo who Ben wrote about this week. And that's somebody who came on and, and you're right, Ben, where, um, yeah, you definitely see that he made that shift from being a second-round pick, um, and, and a few mocks now have, have him in later in the first round, the 24, 26, I see here. And yeah, he is projected right now to go at 34, which would be way before um, the Spurs. And again, hearing his name a lot in different mocks and stuff, I think that, yeah, you're right. I think that he's benefited from uh, the the, co- the combine, where, where now I think he would get taken before the, the 41st well, pick. And, and the thing go about ahead. the combine is, like people are watching the combine, and now all of a sudden they, they have all these guys. Oh, this guy's a first rounder now. This guy's a first rounder now. Okay, you only get thirty first rounders. There there is a there's a limited number of first round players. <laughs> you can't you can't have forty five guys who are first round players. It doesn't work like that. So I, again, combine is great to see how players have progressed since the end of their college season or their overseas season, but it is not the end all be all for evaluation. Yeah, for, for sure. And I think that one thing we should mention here is that actually I just thought that, wow, it's actually two days away. So on July 19th, it is the NBA early um, entry withdrawal deadline. So by four o'clock uh, central time. So that's all something to watch is that we're going to start seeing where players have to make these calls. And I think that they usually tell, you know, the reporters and the reporters tweeted out, you know, so-and-so is dropping out or so-and-so staying in the draft. So, so again, uh, and I, I've already actually been um, eliminating some, some names from, from of players that, that uh, I think, uh, who, who's the guy from UCLA uh, that a lot of people liked early on? Johnny Juzang. Yeah, he he dropped it. Yeah, he went back to the UCLA. So yeah, he, so yeah anytime anytime a player leaves, I, I do eliminate them from our draft board just because you know they're not projected to to go to Spurs because they won't be the NBA this coming season. So yeah, that's something to watch as well. Is in two days now, uh, we're going to get our our list kind of narrowed down with exactly who's staying in, in for the draft. Um, you know, on, on July 29th. Uh, also on Project Spurs, um, you know, I'm continuing to write those um eight weekly um off season pieces on the Spurs as um free agents. So this last week, uh, I wrote about Patty Mills. And, you know, kind of what Patty brought to the team this past season. What 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 kind of contract projection he's 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 expected to get uh, in this offseason. I've also written about Rudy Gay and DeMar DeRozan. And, and like I mentioned, you know, I've been updating the draft board. Um, anytime Ben writes a prospect watch, anytime a player is reported to have worked out for the Spurs or the Spurs interviewed a player, or um, if different mock drafts have a, uh, a a player for the Spurs there, I make sure to add that player to the draft board. Again, you see that where they, where they, where they rank on different mocking on different mocks. And then also um, I've, I've added um, different kinds of stats for them. So, uh, thanks again to Ben for joining me here on the Spurs cast and to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode from all of us about the Spurs. Stay safe and have a great day.